everybody, and welcome to the 1853 podcast of Monmouth College. I'm Dwayne Bonifer in the Monmouth College Office of Communications and Marketing, and this is the 1853 podcast, a weekly program we produce throughout the academic year, in which we tell you about the people, events, programs, and history to make Monmouth an outstanding national liberal arts college. In this 14th edition of season number five and the final podcast of 2021, we'll check in with Monmouth College editor and historian Jeff Rankin. He will tell us about two outstanding publications he recently produced along with a marvelous recent gift to the college. Mama Sports Information Director Nathan Believa will tell us what's going on with winter sports teams as well as look back on the 2021 fall semester in Monmouth College Athletics. Because this is the final 1853 podcast of 2021, and it's being recorded on December 16th, which is, of course, less than 10 days before Christmas, we'll open this edition of the podcast with a couple of mandatory Christmas metaphors. With the exception of Santa's elves, few individuals have been more busy or more productive this fall than Monmouth College editor and historian Jeff Rankin. Jeff recently edited the fall edition of the Monmouth College magazine, as well as the 2022 edition of the ever-popular Monmouth College calendar, and that's sent to select donors and friends of the college. Then, during the month of December, Christmas came early in the form of a rare photograph that Jeff received This photograph from the mid-19th century had a very strong Monmouth connection. As Jeff explains, Monmouth is one of the few colleges that continues to honor all of its donors every year in a print publication. Uh, Every year we uh, honor, unlike a lot of colleges, we honor our our donors uh, still with a printed uh, list of of all of our donors for the various giving levels, and and loyalty and how many years they've been giving so it's time again for our honor roll donors and we always uh this is our fall issue so we also include uh latest news uh hitting uh campus uh one thing that this particular uh season uh brought us was the first homecoming in two years so we've got a little wrap up of that and some photos and and uh uh, reunion uh, groups that were here on campus for that exciting weekend and um, the cover story is kind of uh, interesting it's different uh, we're talking about farms college farms and uh, when some most colleges are given farmland uh, they don't hang on to it very long or or they uh, find some way to uh, dispose of it in some way but Monmouth is different we you know we we come from a rural tradition we uh if if we are gifted a farm uh we keep it uh going and this is of often of concern to, to somebody who's had a farm in their family for generations and then they think well i don't really want the uh, college to take it because it will be sold off and it won't uh, re- remain as a, a viable farm well monmouth uh, looks at it differently and we, we uh, actually keep the farms. We've got uh, four in the area, 
and we use managers and uh, and local farmers to uh, actually do the crops. And so we talk about um, those particular farms and how it's done and um, how much we value that, that and how we encourage our alumni who might have uh, farms uh, to consider Monmouth College because we will keep them uh, the tradition going of, of a family farm. At the end of the calendar year, a new Monmouth calendar will be sent out to special donors of the college. Talk about that. Yes, uh, we're excited again about our, our uh, calendar this year, our wall calendar. And uh, we've tried to focus each year on a, a particular theme. Uh, my favorite themes are ones having to do with college history. And this year is no different. Uh, what's often nice is if we have a particular theme that is open to images and photography. And so we decided this year to focus on our glorious theater tradition at Monmouth College, which uh, actually began at the first uh, a production on the campus was in Old Main in 1886, and um, it, it starred Dan Everett Wade, who would later on become uh, president of the American Institute of Architects and design the chapel and the old gym. Uh, so that was uh, our very first on campus. Then um, in 1925, we had a woman come. She was fresh out of Northwestern University. Uh, but which has a great theater tradition uh, by the name of Ruth Williams. And she basically kickstarted our entire theater program at Monmouth. Uh, she founded the uh, chapter of the National Collegiate Players. She started the Crimson Mask organization, which initially uh, they, it was a membership where you pay an annual fee to be a member. Uh, but one of the greatest things she did was she convinced the trustees to uh, let her take over the old gymnasium, which stood behind the auditorium, and turn it into a little theater. And so uh, she was able to do that. That's because we had the new gymnasium being built in 1925. And she uh, single-handedly got that place transformed. She got donations. She, uh, you know, supervised all of the conversion to building a, a, a proscenium and electrical, all that stuff, and started a really amazing tradition because really some unique plays were put on in that uh, theater, which which uh, was used uh, regularly until 1990. So, um, and it even uh, suffered a, a really terrible fire in the 1930s. Uh, basically, uh, they thought it was lost, but they were it, it was a sturdy old building, and they were able to renovate it, and she got it back up and running. So, uh, you know, generations of students uh, have, have walked those boards and, it, you know, it was a cold place in the winter, you'd have to wear a coat, a lot of memories there. And so uh, we, we talk about Ruth Williams, we talk about the Little Theater, uh, then we talk about some of the other great faculty, uh, theater faculty and, and, and former uh, actors. Uh, we mention, of course, Jim DeYoung, who was here for... Uh, decades. I think he he directed over 125 plays during his uh, illustrious career. We mention uh, Bill Wallace, who was also here during a lot of uh, Jim DeYoung's time, directed a lot of great plays and acted in a lot of plays himself. Um, we mention uh, 
some of the uh, other directors that were here uh, after Ruth Williams, before Jim DeYoung came in the 60s. Uh, we also mentioned my brother, who's currently uh, director of theater. He's been on the faculty here since 1986. And uh, he, was, uh, he, he helped... Uh, Pull, pull off the grand opening of the Wells Theater in 1990, which was a production of The Lion in Winter and starred uh, the great Helen Wagner Willie, class of 1938, uh, well known for her role on As the World Turns. And so my brother played op King Henry opposite her, uh, Eleanor of Aquitaine. So uh, just a lot of things. We did, we did fun things in the summers. We did a, a summer th uh, showboat uh, in Clinton, Iowa one year. Uh, we did a production of Bleacher Bums in front of the Little Theater Outdoors one year. Uh, there's just been so many different um, types of, uh, you know, from serious Shakespeare and, and Greek tragedy to some of the recent musicals we've done, including the recent... Uh, I think it was the 10th production of, of A Christmas Carol, which features a community uh, audience, uh, community uh, actors. So uh, I think people will enjoy this sort of look back on the past, the colorful past of Monmouth College uh, Theater in this year's calendar. Then in December, you received a great piece of history that had recently been discovered. Yes, I got a call uh, probably uh, well over a month ago from a pastor in Boston and he informed me that he he was uh, at, he was part of an older church that had been consolidated from other earlier churches, and they had sort of an archive. And this one picture had been hanging around in storage for a long time, and he thought we should do something about it. And it turned out it was a photograph of Monmouth College's first president, David Wallace. And he said, would you like it? And I said, well, yes, because we have no images of him before he came to Monmouth as its first president in 1856. So I was expecting, you know, some little uh, uh, photograph, maybe somewhat faded, showing David Wallace as we'd always known him. Well, when it arrived, um, it was large. It was 16 by 13 inches. It was a very uh, detailed lithograph of a young David Wallace, 30 years old, uh, he was. He still had a full head of hair. He had sideburns, and he was. He was relatively thin compared to the photos we'd seen of him in later years. Uh, so this was quite a, a remarkable discovery, and it's something you know we just got. I think it, it will need some conservancy, but um, I think we will uh, we will get it in in our archives in a place of honor, and we hope to uh, duplicate it in some way so we can have it framed and and shown on campus. That's Monmouth College editor and historian Jeff Rankin talking about the recently acquired photograph of David Wallace, the first president of Monmouth College. Keep your eyes out on social media toward the end of December. We'll post a copy of this picture, and in early January, we'll have a story telling a little bit more about the photograph as well about the life of the very accomplished David Wallace. Also keep your eye out for the annual report edition of the Monmouth College magazine. You can also find that online at monmouthcollege.edu news. Just click on the magazine link on the left-hand side of the navigation. And if you'd like to know more about what a person has to do in order to receive a copy of the Monmouth College calendar, you can send us an email. Send it to news at monmouthcollege.edu.
This is the 1853 podcast of Monmouth College. I'm Dwayne Bonifer in the Monmouth College Office of Communications and Marketing. The Christmas season traditionally marks the midway point of the basketball seasons. Both the Monmouth men's and women's basketball teams have played close to 10 games thus far as of the middle of December. It's been a rough start for Todd Scribbs' men's team, although things appear to be coming together for his Fighting Scots. On the women's side, Megan Jones, who's in her first season as Monmouth's women's head coach, is off to an impressive start. Joining us to talk basketball, other winter sports, and look back on fall sports at Monmouth College is Nathan Beliva. He's the voice of Fighting Scots Athletics as well as Monmouth's Sports Information Director. Nathan's also the lord over MonmouthScots.com. That's your official home on the World Wide Web for all things Fighting Scots related. Nathan says that after a tough start, better days appear to be ahead for the Fighting Scots men's basketball team. Yeah, your basketball seasons now are into uh, conference play. They'll take a little bit of a break from conference here for the uh, holidays. Um, the, the men got off to a, a regular slow start, uh, had a couple close games couple not so close games uh, a couple injuries to deal with especially with uh, Jonathan Ordigu who's the leading scorer missed a couple games with an ankle injury uh, he and Jordan Metcalf have combined for 34 points per game so they're they're getting the job done especially as seniors uh, but kind of waiting for the rest of that younger supporting cast to round into form got the first conference win against Beloit uh, at home on on the first Saturday of December um, and then uh, so one and two in conference right now uh, we'll get back into conference play the first Saturday of January um, and, and into that um, with, with some action in there there'll be two games before students come back and then we're back home on January 12th. Uh, they'll also have a couple of non-conference games over the holiday break down in St. Louis, taking on Fontbonne and, and Webster uh, game here against Blackburn on the 19th. Um, so that's the men's side again. You know, Oradigu and, and Metcalf have been fantastic. Those two have been really good. Metcalf's a double-double just about every game. And, uh, and, and Jonathan had a 30-point game against Lake Forest, 20 against uh, IC. Um, and, and a couple have shown that they might be stepping up and into those other roles. And it'll be interesting to see how that develops uh, going into the new year and getting into the meat of the conference schedule. Uh, women have been, the women's team has been fantastic. They're tied for first place with Rippon, who was the preseason favorite at three and zero in conference play, a win at Lake Forest, which was big uh, win at home over IC. Those are two teams that were picked ahead of us in conference. So to beat both of them, the first time around, especially that Lake Forest game on the road, pretty good. That's a senior-loaded team uh, w- with experience that, that played uh, in the NCAA tournament back in, in March of 2020. Um, you know, Josie Morgan is is leading the, the conference in assists per game and three-point percent shooting. Um, you know, her and, and Caitlin Osmolsky are, are kind of the one-two punch. Um, and then you, you get – the the rest of the the crew around them it's a different person every day the last game against IC it was Zoe Wall with the career high 18 points it's been the center Jordan Kinsey with double doubles on a bunch of occasions Jaden Mitchell off the bench is the the sixth player uh, has been hitting a bunch of threes Lily Harlan off the bench has had some very big moments and then you've got Teray Warner who can who can get into double digits uh, at any given time and, and and get the job done there so you know it's a it's a bunch of different pieces under coach Jones that have come together nicely. Um, they've got three weeks off now between that 
the Wednesday night win over Illinois College. They're going all the way to the 30th when they go up to Augustana, and then they'll play on uh, September 1st, or excuse me, September 1st, January 1st. Get, get my months in the right order here. They'll play January 1st down in St. Louis um, to, to start the new year, and then again, conference on uh, coming right up after that on the 4th and on the 8th, and then at home on the 12th um, against Grinnell. So uh, getting that conference slate going, but yeah, they've been playing well. They've been fun to watch. Uh, they can score. They can shoot from the outside. Back-to-back games are making 12 three-pointers, and, and it's been a, a lot of uh, a lot of success early on. Hopefully they can keep that going after this three-week break. Of course, the other winter sport that sort of flies a little bit under the radar screen this time of year is, is swimming, but they're into their season big time right now. Yeah, swimming's a unique sport in the fact that it started in uh, the middle of fall sports. Started October 15th was their first meet. So they started practice in, in September. Um, and then they're going to go all the way till at least February. And if anybody makes it to the NCAAs, then they're going into March. So it, it kind of spans all the seasons, which is uh, unique. They also are spread out. Um, you know, right now they're on a more than a month break. They just swam uh, at the Pioneer Classic on, on December 3rd and 4th. They don't swim again until January 15th. Um, and then after they're in that in the pool for that meet, which is senior day here, then they're not going to swim again until, um, you know, February. So they're going to get another couple weeks off. But I know Coach Dacus was very impressed with the way they swam at the Pioneer Classic with uh, 13 schools total over there, finished right in the middle of the pack, sixth on the men, seventh on the women. Uh, but 87% of the student athletes who got in the pool set season bests. Um, so that means they're – trending in the right direction off of the meets that we had in October and November. The challenge now is what happens over break. They're all going to go home for a couple weeks. I believe they're back on campus on January 3rd or 4th and back in the pool getting ready for that meet on the 15th. Um, But they're going to be gone for a couple weeks. So are they going to continue to work out? Do they have places they can jump in the pool when they're at home? You know, are they able to to get out and run or or work out inside or or do whatever they need to do to stay in shape and make sure that that 87% that got their season best isn't the high water mark of the season. You know, you want to keep going. So, um, but yeah, swam well. Uh, we had Brooke McCormick, who we nominated for Swimmer of the Week last week, where she had uh, three top three finishes at the Pioneer Classic as an individual. She also swam uh, the fastest leg on the relay uh, of anybody that was in that that meet. Um, she's got a couple top five times in the conference so far this year. So she's going to be a contender getting into February in, in the conference meet. And there's a few others that are that are up in that list as well as far as top five, top six numbers in conference. So, um, you know, for Coach Dacus in his first year, uh, I think he's been very happy with the way that the season is progressed and now it's just continued to get better and into the final couple meets of the season you're listening to the 1853 podcast i'm Dwayne bonifer in the monmouth college office of communications and marketing we're talking to monmouth sports information director nathan believa he's the voice of fighting scott's athletics looking back on monmouth's fall sports seasons nathan says that one program's accomplishments especially stand out. Yeah, I, I think, you know, if you look team-wise, the highlight of the fall season was volleyball. They made it to the, the the Midwest Conference Tournament for the first time in nine years. 
had a really successful season uh, on the court, had uh, Defensive Player of the Year in, in Kaylee Woodard, had the Elite 20 winner for academics in Carly Drish, um, and, and, and had you know overall individual success individual awards throughout the season as well. Uh, Kaylee Woodard had one of the best seasons in, in school history uh, for a libero and, and uh, Carly Drish after they, they switched uh, formations and the way they were playing. After they did that, um, she took off and had a bunch of, you know, 25, 30 assist games and, and finished in the top 20 for a single season and assists um, as well. So, you know, volleyball was the highlight, had a great season. Football had a bunch of individual awards. Uh, unfortunately, lost the one game at, at home to Lake Forest, so didn't win the conference title, um, but still finished in, in second place and beat Chicago. Um, had some really good individual performances, had 11 players honored for all conference. Uh, Corbin Personet uh, this week was named first team All American. American by the AFCA, the American Football Coaches Association, uh, and he was the defender that was highlighted in the the headline of their press release. Um, and and the, they they had his photo up. Uh, you know, and that'll happen when you lead the nation in sacks and tackles for loss, and set a mama school record with 16 sacks in a season. Um, you know, so and, and then we had four players who got all region uh, from the from D3Football.com. Um, with, with with Corbin, with Derek Brown, the center, Caleb Plattenberger, the safety, and Addison Fletcher, the punter, and just a, a bunch of you know individual awards and success throughout the year. And I know they trade all that into have won the won the conference and gone to the NCAA playoffs, but still, uh, you know, a fantastic season and and a lot to build off of for the future, especially having not played last year and having a lot of people to replace. Uh, in key positions, um, you know, cross country again had some very good individual performances. Uh, Riley Doolin was, was all conference and uh, had a couple all conference on the women's side. Erica Hoffman was a performer of the week one year on the cro- or one week on the cross country side this year. Um, you know, soccer. Uh, on the on the men came on late, got a win towards the end of the year. Nico Esperon was all conference on the women's side. Uh, played really well in the conference season. Uh, they went into the last game of the year, controlling their own destiny to make uh, the final four and to make the playoffs. Unfortunately, didn't win that last game, losing in in overtime uh, to Lawrence. So finished in fifth place, which is the one spot you don't want to be in. You know, just missing the playoffs, but had Madison Walker as the newcomer of the year. Uh, a bunch of uh, first and second team selections there for coach Henderson in his first year uh, on that side and then um, you know tennis had a couple that they got some wins up in the conference tournament on the consolation bracket uh, golf had a couple of newcomers and and getting things done there and, and they won the sportsmanship award at the the Slyak conference tournament so a little bit of individual success sprinkled throughout uh, you know golf and tennis and in the soccer seasons as well so you know overall there was a lot to write about there's a lot to follow a lot to do in the springs in the fall season and I I think that that laid the foundation now into the winter and, and then coming up into the spring seasons. And your first full semester as following and covering the Fighting Scots. What are your impressions? Yeah, you know, it was uh, it, it was a, a busy fall schedule. I had heard all about what the fall was going to be like uh, as, a, as opposed to the spring. The, the big difference is it, there's not a lot of midweek games in the fall because those are sports that traditionally play on the weekends. You know, soccer and, and volleyball can be a bit of an exception, um, but it's not like baseball and, and softball and lacrosse, which are a lot of midweek games. Um, you know, so for my student workers and myself, that made it 
a little bit more of a challenge because you'd have three or four games all at once on Saturdays and things to cover, whether they were home or road. Um, but we came up with a good game plan, I think, and a, and a good uh, good setup to, to get that, to get everything covered on who was writing about what, uh, who was going to make graphics for what, who was going to be posting on social media. The coaches were big helps in a lot of that, especially with some of the, the game day graphics. And, uh, the, you know, the coaches have been fantastic to work with so far of giving their time to do interviews to make their players available um to let me know what's going on communication wise um and to really just to work with them on a on a daily basis has been awesome and that's that's what's really made things great to have people following watching the streams the social media participating uh the the student athletes have been great to engage with and and we try some things that hadn't been done here before and, and to really kind of build off the foundation that Dan left and everything that, that he built up as far as stats and, and writing and all that and, and what everybody was used to. Uh, it's not always easy to, to add things or to change things up. I think having a bunch of new coaches uh, made that easy uh, to do because we could try some new things. Some things worked. Some things didn't work. We, we learned some things to do in the fall for next year. Uh, we learned some things that we're going to try uh, with spring sports because it worked with fall sports and we'll see how that works kind of rolling into the spring but overall it's been a lot of fun and uh uh yeah my my uh actually uh, tomorrow was the one year i say this on tuesday tomorrow was the one year anniversary of my interview so it's been kind of a full circle now one year and first full semester in is uh is finals get ready but it's it's been great working with the students and working with people on campus and a lot of fun and I, I look forward to finishing up winter sports and getting ready with the second go round of spring since that was my my first experience here in the uh in last march and april that's Monmouth Sports Information Director Nathan Beliva. He's the voice of Fighting Scots Athletics. Don't forget to dial up MonmouthScots.com. That's your official home on the World Wide Web for all things Fighting Scots related. And to stay abreast of all Monmouth College athletics and activities, be sure to sign up for the weekly e-newsletter, Scott Scoop. You can also do that by pointing your browser to MonmouthScots.com. And that's going to be a 30 for this 14th edition of Monmouth College's 1853 podcast of the 2021-2022 school year. It's also the final edition of the 2021 calendar year. A big thanks to our producer, the very capable C.J. Bonifer, for getting us through another semester. You can tell us what you think about this podcast by firing off an email to us at news at monmouthcollege.edu. Be sure to put podcast in the subject line. Until our next edition, this is Dwayne Bonifer in the Monmouth College Office of Communications and Marketing. Thanks so much for listening. Have a very Merry Christmas and Happy New Year and stay healthy. So long, everybody. Mm-hmm.